0: Well, I just want to start by thanking everybody who's uh, been part of the service today. Thank you to Brett for um, arranging everything and for all the planning that's gone into it. It's great to have so many people here from the uh, church community and from the school community. Particularly, I want to thank our students who have been leading us in worship. So thank you to Mark, Callum, Bronson, Oscar, James, Sienna, Philippa, Rachel, and Abby. It's wonderful to have them all here. Thank you so much for coming. And also just to thank our staff who've been talking about the school and talking about all the things that it means to them and to us. It's really important that we are a school that seeks to be sharing the love of God, sharing the good news and doing that in a way that's genuine, doing that in a way that's not, um, that's not forced, that's part of who we are, that's part of our practice, part of how we teach and part of what we talk about and the way in which we engage with students. I'm going to talk about freedom, and uh, Gail mentioned freedom as in Isaiah 61, that uh, God frees the captives, and freedom is a really important idea for us as Christians, and freedom is something that we all desire. Advertisers know this. There's furniture which brings freedom. There are ways to be financially free. And of course, if you spend your whole life working for the man, you never know, one day you might get to retirement and be free. But what is it about freedom that makes it such a focus for marketers and advertisers? But what's it, why is it such a focus for our community and our culture? Well, here's one of the scenes from, one of the final scenes from the Hunger Games trilogy in four parts. Katniss and her partner, no spoilers, have found their way through the horror of the Hunger Games and are now free to see their own daughter, I think it's the daughter, grow up without fear of being dragged into a violent bloodbath, created as a spectacle to keep the citizens of the capital entertained. It's a scene of peace, of serenity, a scene where there are no longer the metaphorical shackles and fetters that characterise their time in District 12. They are finally free. For some reason, this ending doesn't really work for me. It's uh, freedom, but freedom to do what? Are we just free to sit around and have picnics all day? I mean, somehow, this vision of freedom to me seems a little bit insipid. Compare this vision of freedom with that presented by Barack Obama, a freedom that only asks what's in it for me, a freedom without commitment to others. A freedom without love or charity or duty or patriotism is unworthy of our founding ideals and those who died in their defense. And obviously he's speaking as the American president to the American nation where freedom, is there something more valued than freedom in the American psyche? I'm not sure that there is. It's all about freedom. And we often talk about freedom from constraints whether these constraints are imposed by our culture, or our society, or whether these constraints come from our biology, our history, or even perhaps our government, it's It's a freedom that sees choice as the ultimate good, irrespective of the choices that an individual may choose to make. Some have argued that this is the defining feature of modernity. Its key idea and driving principle That we should ensure that all people are free from all constraints so that we might define ourselves and determine our own destinies. But the question remains, we may be free, but free to do what? And in politics, we seek to maintain democracies where the will of the masses is equated with the good to which we aspire to live. Yet democracy without principles, politicians without vision and purpose, Leaders who are held captive by the next poll, rarely do they give us a sense of who we can be, who we can become, or what we can do with the freedom that we enjoy. Rarely do they help us to navigate, or perhaps even critique, the moral landscape of our culture. A landscape which, it must be said, has few landmarks to guide our leaders beyond the central principle to which all other principles must genuflect, that of freedom of choice. Freedom of choice is all about the triumph of the individual will over all else. Our will is sovereign over all other considerations. I should be free to choose my own path, to determine my own destiny, to define myself and be who I want to be. There's nothing that should constrain my will. In fact, there is nothing greater than the will itself we find ourselves drawn into a way of understanding the world where our own personal freedom represents the highest good, but also the only good. It denies the existence of anything greater than ourselves, the existence of any God who might seek to guide our desires, and it denies the existence of any concept of what it means to be human, which might guide our decision-making. Freedom, however, was not always thought of in such terms. There's a more ancient understanding of freedom that we find in the Bible. Freedom, according to Paul, is not just freedom from constraints, nor is it defined simply as the freedom to choose or the freedom to determine one's own destiny. For Paul, what we see in the reading that Alyssa just gave us is that freedom is linked to becoming people filled with the Spirit And verse 13 sets up the two different ways of understanding freedom. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. I've got a slightly different translation. Freedom, according to Paul, is for flourishing, for loving one another, and later in the passage, for keeping in step with the Spirit. We become free when we are liberated from whatever might stop us from living the good life, the life that is characterised by service, a life of love, of compassion, kindness and justice. And in this verse, Paul warns against self-indulgent freedom, using our freedom merely to gratify our own wishes and desires. Here we have the modern understanding of freedom set aside in a brief phrase. Do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Paul replaces this notion of freedom with a deeper understanding of what it means to be free. Through love, serve one another. From this simple dichotomy, Paul expands on what it looks like to serve one another in love, contrasting the desires of the flesh with the desires of the spirit. Freedom is something that is liberating but only liberating when this freedom enables us to choose well. Being free from the constraints of greed, individualism, and caprice. We become free in the same way that a statue is freed by a sculptor. Michelangelo described how the form of a statue is liberated from the marble. That is, when we've been freed from the distractions and trivialities of our modern life, we are free to be truly human as God always intended us to be. At Innerborough, we do not see freedom as merely the freedom to choose, but rather the freedom to choose well. We want to present to our students a vision of God's world in which there is a freedom to be found in following God rather than walking without him. There's freedom to be found when we love one another, when we serve one another, when we are filled with joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. In summary, when we seek to keep in step with the spirit. I want to finish with a quote from John Milton, written in 1654. Milton was politically active in England around the time of the interregnum, when Charles I was beheaded, that's the king, in 1649, and Oliver Cromwell was installed as the Lord Protector of England. Freedom was a hotly contested concept in the political sphere, where some wished to be free from the perceived tyranny of the king, only to find that the alternative did not necessarily bring about any more freedom for the people of England. And despite the uncertainty that accompanied this time of turmoil, Milton's view of freedom was informed by the Bible rather than the political change that was happening around him. And he said this, know that to be free is the same thing as to be pious, to be wise to be temperate and just, to be frugal and abstinent, and lastly, to be magnanimous and brave. I've never seen that definition of freedom in the past 20, 30 years in our culture, but I think it's a really important one. That is true freedom, the freedom to be self-controlled and temperate, to be just, to say no to excess, and to act on behalf of the weak, the enslaved and the oppressed. This is the freedom that we seek to enable our students to experience for themselves. And we seek to follow the example of Michelangelo chipping away at the marble to liberate the human beings made in God's image from within. What I'd like to do is just to pray very quickly that we might do that as a school and that we might do that together as we think about this slightly older idea but I think far deeper idea of what freedom entails so please join me in prayer Father God we do thank you for your word and we thank you for the freedom that we experience the freedom that we know through being saved through your son we thank you that this freedom is not just a freedom from various things but it is a freedom to serve a freedom to be walking with you to be keeping in step with the Spirit. I pray that you might help us to have that focus as we engage with students here at Innerborough. I pray that we might have that focus as we engage with one another, that we don't seek to constrain each other with the shackles of our world, but we seek to free one another to be people who you want us to be. I pray that we might be able to be loving one another, serving one another, seeking your Spirit walking in step with your spirit individually and encouraging others to do likewise. And I pray this in your son's name. Amen.